are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt, coming to you on February 22nd of 2022. It's 2-22-22, which is kind of weird. But on today's episode, we're going to hit on more of the CBA talks that have picked up over this past week. Um, we'll mention some uh, legal situation that happened um, stemming from Tyler Skaggs' um, you know, unfortunate death. In back in 2019 and then for, uh, you know since there's not much really to talk about what we're going to do is we're going to go through the AL teams this week and pick each of our favorite players and kind of just give a little story about why we think uh, or why they are our favorite player but before we jump into all of that how are you doing Matt? Doing good um had a pretty good week and um had a real busy week too so uh not a lot of not a lot of free time here in the past several days, but we're, uh, you know, I'm feeling great and ready to get talk about some baseball and, um, you know, some CBA talk and, you know, talk about some, I'm glad we're, you know, we're finally going to spotlight some players instead of just talk about CBA and stuff. So it's good. Yeah, it definitely is. And, um, you know, the last time we left off with you guys, we didn't know when the next meeting was going to be. Uh, and then I think it was like late Thursday or even Friday, Things had said that, that each side was kind of feeling more urgency about it and that they were planning to pretty much meet every day um, of this current week. And um, that started on Monday. I think they've been starting at like 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's been a little bit of a, you know, at least they've been talking longer in the meetings. I think the first meeting was like an hour and 15 minutes, and then they went their separate ways and then came back and actually met a second time that day. Um, and then I think it was sort of right around there. Um, today as well but you know if if we're looking at actually the offers not much has really changed um, MLB on um, on Monday raised its arbitration pool offer from 15 million to 20 million for 30 players where the players association's last offer was for 115 million for 150 players um, MLB then pr- upped their proposal from three lottery teams to four lottery teams um, and then I think there was one other thing in there, but it wasn't very big. And then we look at today what the players had offered, um, and they pretty much dropped their arbitration um, you know, pool they were looking for. They wanted 80% of players with that two to three years of service time, what we know now as the Super 2s, um, to be eligible, eligible for arbitration. They dropped that down to 75% of those players. They dropped lottery teams from 8 to 7 um, and then they wanted instead to raise the uh, increase the minimum salary each year by thirty thousand instead of twenty five thousand that it had been, um, but still starting it at the same at seven hundred and seventy five thousand overall. Yeah, so um, you know the one thing that um, that that I think you you said you you thought you missed something that that was kind of a big deal too was that MLB had rescinded their offer at the lim- options limit. But in exchange for that, they had decided to, um, you know, to, to, to keep the, all those minor league jobs that they were looking at getting rid of. They were looking at, at limiting, putting a cap on how many uh, players each team could have in their minor league system and, you know, lowering that cap. And, you know, in exchange for taking out that option cap, they decided to eliminate that. that. So it was kind of a, you know, we're going to take one thing away and give you something else type thing. Yeah, and, and you know I, that is a big thing that I that is the other thing I was thinking of. Um, I think it's just a little underwhelming. I mean, at least we've seen that they've been willing to meet multiple times per day, but I think it still is underwhelming that neither side has really made you know a massive kind of push. I mean, they're talking. They already postponed the start of spring training through March fifth, and there's been legit you know. Um, worry that if they don't get a deal done by the end of this week, that even the regular season would be postponed, um, at least the start of it. Um, and we haven't seen either side really make a big push to, you know, get the talks going. I mean, through the two days so far, they haven't even mentioned the the CBT, you know, the the actual tax limit, and that's going to be a massive. That's probably the biggest um, thing that they still have to go over. So. You know, these little, it feels like they're just like little things trying to swing one way, but, you know, 
like when the players association, they drop from 80% to 75% for super twos. Um, but then they increase the minimum salary. You know, it, it seems like that's kind of like you gave a little bit, but then you're asking for a little bit here. So it, it kind of ends up seeming like it's an equal offer where also the, the league is like, well, we're going to, they, they're throwing out like, well, we're going to eliminate these jobs, but you know, instead of eliminating these jobs, which were already there, we'll just, we'll just take our little cap away that we wanted here. And then it's basically back to what the game was already anyways. Yeah. So one, one good thing, uh, you know, about this whole thing is I, I'm not as worried, I think, as you are about the lack of, you know, offers on the table. Cause there's two things about it. The, the first thing is that since these sides are meeting every single day, we don't know what they're discussing behind the scenes. They might be discussing the CBT and trying to come to agreements, but that might not be something that, you know, it's fully in the, their offers that are getting out their leaks yet. You know, because it, it, it's really a fluid situation right now. It's not just an offer and, you know, go look at it and see what you think in a couple of days type thing. Like they're, you know, they're legitimately discussing it back and forth, you know, for a few hours a day right now. So that, that's one thing that's making me optimistic. And also the, the, the news that comes out that the talks seem to be less con- confrontational and that they seem to be a little bit more like, let's you know there's more urgency and there's more like actual discussion than just going in there and saying this is our offer take it or leave it type stuff so i think there's a little bit more like i think they're trying to over these first couple days they've been trying to develop a baseline and obviously these offers that have been you know reported so far are not going to work because they go backwards in some areas and you know but but in some ways they might be feelers like you know for example you talk about we talked about the the players you know the the op those the option limit versus the minor league thing like which one do the players value more out of those two things like do would they rather have you know the players would the players rather have the you know the the option limit or would they rather have those jobs the 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 thirty lower minors jobs like that's kind of the thing that's you know you look at as maybe like they're putting out feelers to see which one's more important. Um, you know, I think as long as they're meeting every day and, and the talks are not just shutting down, you know, it's at least, you know, a chance that something gets gets done. And obviously, you know, they have they've planned out this week to be the week that they meet every single day and they're going to try to hammer something out this week. So, you know, we're two day two out of, you know, uh, of what's to be, you know, five, six or seven, you know, depending on how long it takes. Like they're talking about that, that limit being the 28th of February, the end of February. So, you know, we still got six days and, you know, I do think that some progress has been made, not necessarily in the actual, like on the table, but in the way that this is being kind of discussed between the two sides, like there really seemed to be legitimately kind of discussing things rather than just not even talking to each other. So that's just to throw some optimism in there. Cause right now the offers are, I think they're, it's harder to report on offers right now because of um, just because of because it's so fluid. I mean, things are changing quickly right now. It's, you know, their sides are talking, they're not pushing back and forth. It's more of like, they're in the same building all the time. We don't know how many offers have been floated at each other type right. type thing. We don't know exactly what's been said and what hasn't. You know, it's not like they have a paper copy of an offer or something. Like, so that's just kind of things that that kind of you know to kind of take take it keep in mind when you're looking at these reports that are coming out of the CBA negotiations. And obviously, nothing's close at this point, which is not good. I mean, we've seen that we can see that through some of these reports that have come out. So. Obviously, that's a negative, but, you know, the, the amount of discussion, talk, that kind of thing, it has been, you know, a little bit encouraging to me, at least. So I'm kind of an optimist on the situation, but uh, yeah, the, encouraging. The, the thing I do like is that they've had multiple meetings per day. Like it's been, OK, well, we're going to talk for an hour to an hour and 15, you know, both sides. And then we're each going to like go to separate sides. They're doing this in like one of the spring training ballparks or whatever. We'll go to like separate sides of the ballpark. We'll talk with our sides for however long it is, an hour or whatever. We'll come back. We'll reconvene. We'll do another meeting. And like you said, what we're seeing is just the offers. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, 
But then another thing that I, I, I do find a little bit more encouraging is that even though after the, the, the real negotiations are done with, it's been seen that the, you know, the head of the union and the couple of heads of the, um, like MLB side. And even today, I think it was like one of the, the union heads and Max Scherzer, they like them four went off and had their own little separate meeting for a little bit. Like, so it even seems like outside of the bigger meetings, they're having like little or feeler meetings. Like, okay, like what, you know, what's this, what's the, like, at least they're, they're having those conversations rather than these 15 minute meetings that we've been seeing. And then, you know, we won't talk for, for, you know, five or six days or a week or whatever. And, you know, it, it, that was a big thing that I had mentioned before. It's like, I just wish they would meet multiple times a day and just, and start figuring it out. And at least they're meeting that way. And maybe they do have some of the smaller issues starting to figure out that we just, you know, haven't came out to the mainstream media yet. Um, but hopefully, I mean, like you said, we have until next Monday to, you know, really hit that date that they kind of put for, um, to start the regular season on time. And I, you know, we need to get back to it cause there's still a lot of free agency and trades. And then we got spring training right around the corner with that as well. So a lot of moves to still happen. So they need to, they need to get it done as soon as possible, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a lot more of this talk next week after they've, um, we should know by we, the time we record next week, if, if stuff's going to be postponed or not. So, but, uh, let's go ahead and move on and we'll, we'll just lightly touch on this topic. Um, back in 2019, it was January or July 1st. Um, Tyler Skaggs of the Los Angeles angels, um, ended up was found dead in his, um, team hotel. Uh, it had come out that it was basically a like mix of oxycodone and fentanyl and, and all of that. And it ended up coming out that one of the angels employees was kind of responsible for it. Well, that trial ended up happening, um, this past week, Eric K is his name. He was found guilty of having counterfeit pills, um, laced with fentanyl and having a conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute. Um, he will face a minimum of 20 years in prison. His sentencing is not until June, but, um, a bigger part of this whole trial was some of the other players that were on those teams around that era or the, you know, 2017 to like 2019 side, um, actually testifying and some of it about their own personal drug use. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there are several players that were involved in this, but, um, uh, actually first, first off, before I talk about the players, um, I'm, you know, obviously this was a really sad situation with Tyler Skaggs and, 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 you know, good for, you know, I'm glad that they were able to bring this guy, uh, to justice. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. That's the biggest, that's the biggest deal here. It's not, you know, the players that potentially were using drugs, which is going to be talked about a lot because it's a couple of them are you know, pretty prominent players, but you know, the fact that this guy who obviously was shady and, you know, was responsible for the death of a, you know, a young talented athlete, um, obviously him being brought to justice and having to serve his time is, is a very, very good thing. But, um, you know, the, the one big major player in this was, uh, Matt Harvey that was testifying as a, as a, um, you know, as a, as a potential witness, cause he played for the angels for a short period of time. Um, and you know, he had drug problems. Apparently he had just, he discussed his problems he had with the, uh, you know, he had problems when he was with the Mets. And then obviously when he was with the angels, he had problems and he was involved with this, this K guy. And, um, you know, and he, and it honestly, it could have gotten him just like it got Tyler Skaggs. So, um, you know, that was a big testimony. Um, he talked about his drug use, his time with the Mets, uh, you know, having used cocaine a lot, apparently, which had been rumored when he was with the Mets that he might have a drug problem. But everyone kind of shot it down as just, you know, New York people speculating about something. So, um, you know, but I think um, one thing that can come out of this is that, you know, looking at the ability to, you know, uh, looking at the ability to for, for baseball and for teams to help players who have issues like Matt Harvey. I mean, the Mets apparently knew about it and did some things to try to help him, but they didn't really help him enough. Like, 
there's things that these teams can do. And obviously the Angels were a disaster with this whole situation. There are things these teams can do to potentially help out a struggling guy like Matt Harvey or Tyler Skaggs or something and, and help them get out of their, you know, out of their drug habit. So, um, you know, I think there's some lessons to be learned here and some good things that can come out of this. Yeah. And, and just to point with what you had said about Matt Harvey, um, part of it was that he uh, had said that him and Skaggs had kind of talked about you know, experiences that they had had before with stuff. Um, but also that uh, Harvey got a pill from Kay, had him put it in his locker at least, um, on June 30th of 2019 because I guess he wanted to calm his nerves because he found out that the Angels weren't going to take him on their road trip to Texas um, and pretty much was like going to get in the process of cutting him or whatever. And uh, the next day is when they found out that Skaggs had passed away from like pretty much the same thing. Um, so then Harvey went and he ended up just, I guess, throwing that pill away, he said. But um, like you said, the he had issues with the with the Mets. It's kind of come out over time. I mean, he had notorious was or he was notorious for having um, nosebleeds a lot, um, especially later in the tenure. So, you know, that was a sign of it as well. But I, I think it's just incredibly sad. I mean, at this point, you know, seeing how many different, I think there was what Blake Parker, Matt Harvey, Mike Morin, Pedrosian, Crone, and I think even Heaney testify a little bit in there. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, you're looking at about six players from that timeline of two to three years, um, just around the Angels team that you know, it saw with the drug use or it had been involved in part of it. Um, let, had it been prescription painkillers, had it been stronger stuff, um, you know, it had brought up the conversation, did MLB have a drug problem? And I don't, I think many players have come out since then and pretty much said like, like we haven't seen that from around. Um, we wouldn't let that stand, but it does show that, you know, these, these instances can be there without even people really paying attention or really even knowing. And they're a lot more serious than we think. Um, even within professional sports. Yeah, you're 100% right. And, um, you know, one thing that does go around in professional sports in general a lot, I mean, it's been in, in all forms of professional sports, is the, the use of painkillers. And mm -hmm. it's something that needs to be looked at really closely because obviously everyone in, in any sport is going to look for that edge and the ability to, you know, to, to play through injury is part of that. And, um, you know, you, there's a lot of sketchy, shady things you can do to help yourself play through injury, whether it's, you know, painkillers or, you know, uh, you know, illegal drugs or stuff like steroids or, or HGH and performance enhancing drugs. There's a lot of different things. And I think that it's important that, you know, I think it's important for players to understand and, and be educated and for and for teams to to to, to really put a stop to a lot of these things that are going on because I mean, you know, you've had issues where, you know, players get addicted to these things that they feel like they need stuff like, like, a, like, like I talk about, like, like stuff like Vicodin is, is one of the pills, a painkiller that these players get addicted to it. And, you know, they might have wanted it at one time to play through a game that, you know, maybe they had a little bit of soreness and then, you know, they start feeling like they need it. And, and Vicodin can be a dangerous thing to take and you can overdose on it if you're, if you're not careful. So, um, definitely something for Major League Baseball and, and players to look at. Obviously, um, you know, you're not going to be able to bring back Tyler Skaggs, unfortunately. It's, it's a really sad situation, and he's gone way too soon. But, uh, you know, you can use a, a really, really tough situation to, to advance things and to help people out and to make things better in the future. And I think that's what Tyler Skaggs would have wanted everyone to do. And um, I hope that, you know, you know the major league baseball players and teams and coaches and all professional sports teams and coaches kind of take an example out of this and you know don't let his don't let a a you know a, a way too soon death you know be be a lost you know be lost and just kind of chalk it up to you know one issue like make sure it doesn't happen again so absolutely well, we, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that, so let's go ahead and move on. 
Um, and we'll, we'll move to our list of AL teams and each of our favorite players um, on each of those teams. We'll keep our, our stuff relatively short for each team since we got to go through there real quick. But we're going to start in the American League East with the Baltimore Orioles. So who do you have as your favorite player on the Baltimore Orioles? Yeah, so um, this is kind of going to be a fun little thing we do. But, um, you know, I think uh, Trey Mancini is, is kind of my favorite player here. Um, obviously, he's been there a while. He's kind of the most recognizable name on their team. Uh, and, uh, you know, I thought that, you know, I think it's really cool that he's was able to go through what he did with when beat, by beating cancer and coming back and playing at a high level. And I really like his game. I think he's a really solid hitter. And, um, you know, I, I think that obviously there's not a ton of guys to choose from on the Orioles, but, uh, you know, Trey Mancini is a really cool story. And I, I'm, I've enjoyed seeing him succeed and come back from his from his, uh, you know, illness. Yeah, and so we decided not to do the same players um, where I absolutely would have picked um, Mancini, but I ended up going with Cedric Mullins. Um, he's a bit of a, a guy that broke out this year, um, and, and I think his story is is you know really cool that he ended up you know stopping from being a switch hitter to just batting full-time lefty, and that's kind of when his breakout happened. But then also after the season, we found out that he was battling Crohn's disease this entire year. So he had his career year while – just you know only swinging from one side of the plate something that he didn't really know for much of his life um you know he's always been a switch hitter and then also battling a you know a, a serious disease uh and having an all-star season and a career year i mean that's just that's something that made me really enjoy um you know Cedric Mullins season even more looking back at it now um so Cedric Mullins would be my player from the from the Baltimore Orioles but looking over at the Boston Red Sox, so who do you have off off Boston? Um, so so there's a bunch of guys you can choose from with Boston's team. Um, you know, I, I typically would probably have said Xander Bogarts because I've always I always championed him as being one of the more underrated players in the game. But I went with Chris Sale. Uh, when Sale's healthy, which obviously he he missed a a season and a half from Tommy John surgery, and then this year he wasn't really his you know fully back to him, himself when he pitched. Uh, but you go back to you know the way he had been with the Red Sox, and the guy is so fun to watch because he he throws from that weird angle, he throws super hard, and he has the most devastating slider we've seen since Randy Johnson, and he makes people look silly when they swing, um, and he is just he is so much fun to watch as a pitcher, and you know I really enjoy it, and you know he's one of the more exciting guys to watch in baseball when he's healthy and when he's on. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here, um, and I'm going to pick two, but I'll keep it relatively short for it. Uh, I'm going to pick Alex Verdugo and Kike Hernandez, and that is absolutely my Dodger bias um, coming into effect there. Uh, Verdugo was a guy who I just always enjoyed watching. He didn't have the the biggest power, but he brought a, a different type of energy to the field. Um, and then Kike... Kike is just a fun player to watch. He can play so many defensive positions. He plays them all at a really good level, a really high level. Um, and then just, you know, more off the field, the character that he is and, and the the type of energy, but also just fun that he has, you know, in the clubhouse and the dugout, um, let alone on the field. So Kike Hernandez and Alex Verdugo are my two from, from Boston, but uh, we'll move on to the New York Yankees now. I think we both had a harder time picking a favorite player from the Yankees, but who did you end up with? Yeah, so I, I agree. It's kind of tough to pick a guy from from the Yankees, not because of you know, I, I, not because I dislike the Yankees necessarily, but you know, I just I, I don't love a lot of their players. Like, I mean, Judge is fun, kind of fun, but uh, Gallo's not really my favorite. I mean, you know, a lot of people would pick him, but uh, I picked Giancarlo Stanton. Um, I think that when he hits the ball well, I mean, he's as fun to watch make contact as there is any, anybody in baseball. When, I, when he's in his strikeout binges, it's really rough to watch. But, you know, he can hit the – every time he goes to the plate, you get the feeling that he's gonna he can hit the ball 500 feet. I mean, he is – he's really fun. You know, he kind of tormented my team for a while. And, you know, I've watched him for a long time because of, you know, being in the division with the Braves when he was with Miami. And, um, you know, I also think Stanton's, you know, a much better fielder than, than people have ever given him credit for. 
Uh, obviously, with his injury situation the last few years, it's been worth it to DH him. But you know, when he was an outfielder, he was—it's not—he's—he's he's not a DH because he's not good in the outfield. It's because his his injury situation, you know, the last couple of years. So uh, when Stanton's healthy, uh, I love watching him hit the ball. He, you can watch—I could watch him take batting practice all day. He's a fun player to watch. You know, when he's healthy, when he's clicking, he's—he's—he's he's, he's really fun. So I picked him. Yeah, Stanton was another one that I uh, I was considering, and though just the way we were doing this back and forth of who picked first, um, Matt got to Stanton first, but uh, I would my second choice was probably Garrett Cole. Um, yeah, I always was a fan of his when he was in Pittsburgh, uh, and then he went to the Astros, and uh, you know everything that's happened since then, and then he went to the Yankees. But I just enjoy you know watching him pitch. Um, it's really fun and, and how he goes about it and all the pitches he has and how electric he is at times, you know, even though he has the big blow up games, but who doesn't um, it's just, he's super fun to watch to me and, and the way he goes about it and goes about his craft. It's, it's enjoyable to watch. So, well, let's jump over to the Toronto blue Jays. Um, who do you have for the blue Jays? I, I went with Vlad jr. I know it's kind of a, the last three of the last two I've picked are kind of obvious type candidates, but, but Vlad jr is really fun because he, I think he's the most talented pure hitter in baseball. He doesn't strike out much. He walks a lot and he, he, he's got a lot of power. He hits the all fields. He's just a really, really, really well-rounded great hitter at a very young age. And it's a lot of fun to watch him do that at, at the age he's at. Uh, so I, I picked him, uh, you know, I could have picked, there are, there are several guys on this team that are pretty fun. I like George Springer a lot too, but Guerrero was kind of the guy that, um, uh, you know, I, I felt like, you know, if I think of a blue Jay that I like, I think Guerrero is the one. So uh, I went with him. Yeah. For me, um, you know, obviously Bo Bichette was in consideration for it. Uh, Hunjin Ryu was also in consideration seeing that he was with the Dodgers for a long time, but I ended up going with Kevin Biggio. Um, probably wouldn't be many players favorite or many people's favorite player off of the blue Jays, but I was always a big fan of his dad, um, in Houston and just going back and watching a lot of the highlights. And, um, I, I just, I guess just because he's the son of Craig Biggio, I, that's kind of why, and, and he has the name, but, you know, I, I think he could be a really good player. He hasn't really found his footing yet, but um, I think there's a lot of signs for it. And he's just somebody that I uh, I enjoy watching when he steps up to the plate. So Kevin Biggio for me off the Blue Jays. But we'll jump over to the Tampa Bay Rays now. So who did you pick for the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah, so for the Rays, I actually picked Brett Phillips. Uh, I think he's the has the most personality of any player in the game. He's a, He's a super funny guy. Um, you know, and, and he's also a, a really exciting player. He's, he's not the best player out there, but you know, you watch him, he's great defensively. He makes a lot of diving plays in the field. He's got a cannon for an arm, probably the best arm in baseball and, and nobody really knows about it. And then, you know, he can, he can also hit for power when he's at the plate and, um, he's come up with some really special moments for them, but he's just a really, really funny guy. Um, you know, and I, I really, really like Brett Phillips. I think, Pretty much everyone universally likes him, so he, he's my favorite player in the Rays by a long way. Even though there's tons of likable guys on that team too. Yeah, he probably single handedly has the greatest laugh in MLB history. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't seen that, definitely Google Brett Phillips laugh. Um, I didn't enjoy his airplane celebration in the World Series, by the way, um, against the Dodgers. But uh, it, you know, if I had to look at my favorite player off the Rays, I'd probably go Tyler Glass now. Um, just for the reason that he is so tall, he's got the the long hair and he has the pure stuff with it. Um, and then it seems like, you know, Pittsburgh to, to get Archer. I mean, they, they threw glass now in there and it, I felt like it was premature um, just because he, he really lacked the command at the time, but he was somebody that always had the talent and I just it, being so big, he has all the, uh, you know, the high fastball and then the curveball that it comes right off that and the hair, you know, the long flow and hair that comes out as well. Glassnell's just always been somebody that I found pretty cool. So uh, he's definitely my pick for Tampa. And it sucks that we're probably not going to be able to see him in a Rays uniform um, probably again with coming off TJ and then his contract um, thing. They'll probably have to trade him. But 
we'll talk about that more uh, later on or when it happens. But let's jump over to the uh, AL Central now, and we'll start with the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, so uh, my favorite player on the White Sox is Tim Anderson. Uh, I remember watching him when he played in Double uh, A. I, I live in Birmingham, and, and he was on the, he's on the Barons team. And I always thought he was going to end up being a good player, and then sure enough, he ends up making the big leagues. Um, so that was kind of fun to watch. And he's just a real exciting player, um, top of their order. He 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 does everything well at the plate. He hits for power. He he hits for contact. He runs a lot. He he's real aggressive. Uh, not the best defensive shortstop, but he's he is a legitimate shortstop. Uh, so, um, you know, I think he's a fun player to watch. And uh, he's also got a little bit of a flair to his game that's that's fun to watch too. Yeah, Anderson's one of those high energy guys. Um, you know that that are always fun to watch. I ended up going with Michael Kopech. Um, you know, I, I really liked when he broke out um, as a rookie. And then he ended up having to go TJ, and he's working his way back from that. But he's he's one of the more electrifying pitchers to watch, and still being so young, um, I, I wish I had like some story of why I I like him so much. But I just think when he broke out as a rookie, uh, he kind of blew me away, and then I've just been fascinated with you know trying to keep up with him ever since. So that's my uh, my Michael Kopech pick for the White Sox. But let's go ahead and move to the Minnesota Twins now. So who do you got for the Twins? So my favorite player on the Twins is Donaldson, Josh Donaldson. He is he's got the double whammy for me for one thing. He he played uh, college ball at Auburn and he played for the Braves for a year and was really good there. But uh, the things I like about Donaldson aren't necessarily because of that. I think he's a I think he's a really really fun player to watch. He's a great story. Went from being a catcher, uh, you know, in the minor leagues to to becoming a third baseman. He adjusted his game there. He worked, I mean, day in and you know, day in and day out at, at fixing his swing and changing his swing to be to become what he is and, you know, turn into an MVP caliber player with just that he has the most violent swing in the, in the game. He, he's It's a lot of fun to watch him do that. He's a great defensive player at third base. And um, he's got a great personality. He's just a, he's a really a fighter. He, he, he really um, and, and in a good way, uh, he's he's real intense. He gets into the into the game, and he's really really fun. He's good personality. I, I like watching him. I think he's great for the game. And uh, you know, Donaldson's definitely one of my favorite players in the entire league, not just on the Twins. So yeah, I ended up going with Byron Buxton. Um, probably one of the easier choices on this list. Um, he's just such a, a fun player and, and exciting to watch. I mean, if if he had the ability to stay healthy. Um, you know, if you had a thing that's just no, no injuries ever happened, like if you were in a video game, he'd probably be one of the best players in the league. Like he'd probably be up there with Mike Trout talking about, and you know, MVPs all the time. Like he is so electrifying. He plays elite, elite defense. He, you know, base running is insane. I mean, he can, on a thing you think is a single, he could turn it into a triple sometimes like he has power. I mean, the only thing he really doesn't do is doesn't walk much, but you know, you don't really want to see your exciting players walk much. Uh, so Byron Buxton, he's just, he's somebody who flies all around the field and that's kind of why he gets hurt a little bit too often. But um, you know, if you had a health card, he'd probably be the one guy that I'd put it on, but we'll go ahead and look at, at the Cleveland guardians now. Hey, I got it right this time. I didn't mess that one up. Uh, it's progress. But we'll look at them. Who do you got for the Guardians? Um, I picked the Emmanuel Classe. I think it's really fun to watch a guy that it breaks out pretty much out of nowhere, throwing you know over 100 miles an hour. And he's a young closer. He's real energetic. Um, I think he's going to be a great, great pitcher for a long time in the big leagues. So I, I picked him. Yeah, I went with Jose Ramirez. Um, he's, I think, probably the easiest choice again here. Uh, I don't know how anyone can really hate Jose Ramirez at all. He just fun player is one of the, the biggest characters in the game as well. When we actually get to see him. Uh, so Jose Ramirez is, is my pick here, but let's move over to the Kansas city Royals. So who do you got for the Royals? So for the Royals, I went with Mike minor. Uh, I had a kind of hard time finding somebody on the Royals that stood out to me, but uh, I think Mike minor is a pretty cool story because he just keeps coming back. Um, originally a brave i you know back when he was in 2013 i really pulled for him and vouched for him a lot as a brave because he had a really good year that year and that was one of the years where i really started to 
you know, I always kind of liked baseball and, and watched it and everything, but I really started to get super into it in that season. Uh, and, and he was one of the guys that, you know, was, was, you know, one of the top pitchers on that Braves team. But, uh, since he, since then he, he's bounced around a little bit, but he keeps coming back. He keeps going from, you know, it seems like he's done for, and then all of a sudden he pops back up and has a good year. So I, I think it, it, you know, it's a testament to a guy like him that he just keeps on, you know, ticking and doing the best he can to always bounce back. And, and it's, you know, it shows a lot of character and I, I like that about him. So I, I picked Mike Miner. So for my pick, I went with Aldoberto Mondesi. Um, and it's really because um, his dad was is well known for playing with the Dodgers for most of his career. I think he spent seven seasons there, won a rookie of the year with the Dodgers um, in the 90s. And I think maybe the early 2000s, he might have snuck in there. But uh, you always hear within, you know, looking back at Dodgers history about Raul Mondesi. So, um, you know, when I saw Alberto come up, I you know immediately recognized the name, and then he's just somebody that I've followed ever since that. Um, and he's kind of like within the Buxton tier. I just wish he would be able to stay healthy. Probably not to the same level of talent, but I just wish that uh, you know he he has the speed and he can make enough contact to probably make it worth it if he could stay healthy. But uh, let's move over to the Detroit Tigers now. So who do you got for the Detroit Tigers? Uh, a little bit of bias, but I went with Casey Mize. Um, I think that. Um he's a really special talent and he, I, I think he's a good story too. Back when, you know, I went to Auburn and I was actually at Auburn while Casey Mize was there. Um, and I remember watching him, you know, when he was a freshman at Auburn and, and watching his development all the way through developing his splitter that became so famous, um, you know, getting, getting to the point to where he was throwing like, you know, his strikeout to walk ratio is about as insane as anything I'd ever seen. Um, I remember his senior or his junior year in college, he threw like a 14, 15 strikeout, no hitter that that should have been a perfect game if it wasn't for an error by the shortstop. Um, that was really fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've met his family a couple of times down there at games and, you know, they were really nice people. And um, it's been a lot of fun to watch him go from a freshman who was really unheralded in college to, to become a, a big league pitcher, become a top or first become the number one pick in the draft and then become, you know, live up to the expectation of become, getting into the big leagues and starting to really develop in the big leagues as he showed some, some improvements this year. And hopefully, you know, in 2022, he'll really take off, but uh, he was, uh, you know, he's probably my favorite player there. Just, he's a really, really good guy and his, his family's great too. So he's, he's fun. He's, you know, he's my favorite player there. Yeah, I went with Miggy Cabrera. Um, I think it was just because he was probably one of the best hitters that we'll ever see in our generation. Um, and it was just super fun to be able to watch him when he was in his prime, um, you know, winning the Triple Crown again, and then those seasons where he was battling Trout for the MVP. Um, it's just, you know, really fun to, to watch him and um, it sucks the decline you, you have to see near the end of the career, but it's still fun watching him chase those milestones. Uh, and I hope that he can, uh, he has a couple more great years that we can enjoy. So Miggy Cabrera for the, uh, for the Detroit Tigers for me, but let's jump over to the American league West now, and we'll start in Anaheim. Yeah. So, um, the LA angels, I, um, I went with trout. I mean, um, you know, you could pick Trout or Otani or any, or someone else. There's a lot of players on that team that are really fun and exciting. But, I mean, I think I've always been somebody who felt like Trout was generational talent, like like most people do. And, um, you know, the things that he does on the baseball field are just incredible. I mean, a five true five-tool player, um, you know, just hits for power. I love his swing. It's fun to watch him because, you know, when he, when he swings, it's like – just it's so compact and you know the ball just launches i mean it, it's really fun um and, and he's and he's also exciting out in the field and, and on the base paths too he's, he's declined a tiny bit in the field over the last couple of years but you know he's aggressive he does everything well um you know and i i really like his attitude about the game too he really loves the game of baseball and uh, you know, he, he does everything. He seems to do everything the right way. And I think he's just a really good player, great guy. And I think he's uh, one of my favorite players in the whole, in all of MLB. So. 
Yeah, that was uh, probably the easiest pick either one of us ever had was Mike Trout. Um, you know, I could have easily went with Otani, um, but I feel like that's that's just kind of a given that right now. And, and we've talked about Otani so much um, this past year, and we'll continue to talk about him. So I ended up going to one of the newest Angels who we actually haven't even seen in an Angels uniform yet, but that's Noah Syndergaard. Um, Syndergaard is just one of those guys that it's – really fun to watch i mean a hundred and something mile an hour sinkers and nasty sliders and and just he has the ability to even hit which we really won't see much now but you know he's still one of the he was one of the better hitting pitchers at the time and then he always you know obviously he's known for the long hair and being called thor and it's just one of those that was always really fun especially with him being in new york um you know it was it was one of the bigger media outlets you always saw games where he was he was pitching and um you know i hope that he can stay healthy and, and i can watch a lot more of his starts in anaheim since i get all the angels games so it'll uh hopefully i could see more of that but let's go ahead and move on to the houston astros yeah so i went with uh i went with michael brantley for the astros i think that one cool thing about brantley is that in the day and age of all the you know home runs and stuff which is which we love here and it's great uh, it, it is always fun to have a little bit of a throwback player, and that's really what Brantley is. He hits the ball to all fields. He makes a lot of contact, and you know he's been he's been able to take that old school profile and make it work at the in the current day and age, which is uh, which is cool. It's a good change of pace to have. Uh, you know, you want a lot of variety, and, and he adds a little bit of variety. And uh, you know, he's also a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. So, uh, you know, being able to, to be have the longevity he's had at this point of being here at, I think he's, what, age 35, 36, uh, with, the, with, the, with the injuries that he had previously. Um, you know, it's been a really cool to ha- see him have a late, late career surge in, in Houston. And, uh, you know, he's just a really good player, and he's fun. Yeah, so mine that I'm going to choose is a younger guy. He really broke out this year, um, and that's Kyle Tucker. Um, honestly, the main reason why I like Kyle Tucker is because his cards in MLB the show are absolutely cracked all the time. And I like using his cards on there and that made me become more of a Kyle Tucker fan. So I've been watching more of him, um, the past year and he had a great year this year. I mean, with, you know, 294, 30 home runs, uh, really breaking out and being one of those mainstays in the, you know, taking over for where George Springer kind of left off there. So Kyle Tucker would have to be my pick for Houston. So uh, we'll, next we'll jump on to the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, so for the A's, I went with Tony Kemp. Um, I, I, I've i always liked him. Uh, it's a funny story about him. When, when I was uh, – I grew up in, in Hoover, Alabama, which is where the SEC baseball tournaments played. And uh, I went to a game, I think it was – it was around my, it was, I was later, I was, you know, an upperclassman in high school. I might've been a senior in high school. And, uh, I thought it was really fun because Tony Kemp was playing at Vanderbilt. He came out on the field and did a backflip and he went in the box and he hit a line drive single and then he stole second and then he stole third and then he came home in a wild pitch. And I was like, my God, this guy's got to make it someday. Cause I'm, you know, I was really young and didn't really, you know, understand prospect status and everything. And, you know, Kemp was never a super high level prospect, but sure enough, you know, several years later, he's popping up in the big leagues and, you know, it's really fun. I was like, Oh my gosh, I remember him like from when he played in college that he just always stood out to me. And, um, I've always pulled for him wherever he went, you know, he's with Oakland now and and it's been fun to watch him there. And, uh, I'm glad he's still playing. I mean, it's really cool to that, that, that guy that I remember seeing and being like, wow, this guy's really fun, uh, back, you know, it's got to be, you know, 10 years ago now, probably, um, you know, eight to 10 years ago that it's really fun to see him succeed the way he is right now. So, uh, that was, uh, that was, a, that was a little cool thing about Tony Kemp. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's fun to watch. So, yeah. So my guy from the Oakland athletics are, is going to be Frankie Montas. Um, and, and I really liked Montas because of, he was a former Dodger. He was actually a part of the trade to Oakland where they got um, Rich Hill and Josh Reddick. Uh, but it was funny that he, I, I was looking through, you know, when the Dodgers had acquired him, he had been traded for or traded to the White Sox from the Red Sox and then traded to the Dodgers and then traded to the Athletics. So by a guy who was like barely making his major league debut, had already been traded three times. Um, 
you know, and for a, a high level prospect that people had a lot of uh, eyes on. And he's actually had one of his better seasons and kind of broke out um, a couple years ago. And he had a really fantastic year this year. Now it's even being talked that he's another potential trade target again. So a guy who is, you know, not even at the age of 30 and been in the major leagues for four years, he's all going on a potential fourth overall or fourth trade um, at least. So, uh, I, I found that kind of interesting, and, and Montas was just one of those guys that I liked when he got traded from the White Sox to the Dodgers, and then that I followed now that he was uh, with A's because I knew who he was. So, But we'll move over to the Texas Rangers now. So who do you got for the Texas Rangers? So I went with um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa um, just because it's a guy who can literally play any position on the field, and I think that's really fun to watch. And he's also like, I don't know. It's just for some reason to me, it's just kind of refreshing to have a guy who literally just can play anywhere at a high level. And, uh, you know, he was a catcher and he could play shortstop and he can play third and second. I mean, he can play anywhere. And, uh, that's pretty fun. Of course, there's not too many guys, you know, in Texas that, that are, you know, that are candidates for this list. I could have gone with Simeon. I like him too, but, um, I don't know. And he's also got a kind of cool name. So I guess that factors into it too, the falafel. But um, I think, uh, you know, it's fun to watch Isaiah Connor Falefa play. And uh, I think he's a, I think he's a guy who, who probably sticks around with the Rangers, even when they enter the next phase of their, you know, of their franchise. Yeah. So mine here, I went with the absolute like Homer pick, the easiest pick for me. And that was Corey Seager. Um, you know, being a Dodger fan, he was always one of my favorite Dodgers. Uh, and then being able to just watch his whole career, he was, was a guy I really wanted them to resign. Uh, and I hate that he went to Texas, but he's going to thrive there. But Seeger, I mean, he's one of those quiet guys. He doesn't like the limelight much, but, you know, when he's out on the baseball field, he's aggressive, swings at the first pitch. Um, he doesn't really make many mistakes that will will cost you games, but he, you know, he makes up for a lot of the little ones he makes in the field at the plate. So, um, you know, Corey Seegers is my favorite Texas Ranger. And I'm going to say that for the next 10 to 12 years, probably. So, but we'll move on to our last team uh, of the American league. And that's the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. So, uh, the Mariners have a guy who didn't pitch this year, but, uh, he's always, uh, he's a guy that I, I really enjoy watching, um, it's uh, Ken Giles. Um, you know, he battled the injuries, but um, I, I think that, and, and it's, I'm kind of surprised that he's the only one on my list here that I've got that's kind of fits the stereotype. He's that like head case closer, and I always love watching that head case closer. Like you talk about like Papelbon or Grant Balfour or you know someone like that, Brian Wilson, like these guys who are just complete total psychopaths out there. And Ken Giles is one. I mean, he's just he gets up in his head, and he's always you know going crazy. And he, I remember when he came off the field after giving up a game tying home run when he was a member of the Astros, punched himself in the face. Like I just, I just always <laughs> thought that was funny. And he's a he's a fun guy to to watch out there just because he's such a head case. And um, I think uh, I think that's a really a really fun type of player to watch. And you know, he's kind of. I guess he's kind of the the leader in that clubhouse here in the uh, in the American League, so he's going to be my pick for Seattle. Yeah, so for Seattle, I went with another one of those kind of under the radar guys, um, and that's Ty France. Uh, basically, the reason is just France was one of the guys he was on the Padres. Um, you know, as a prospect, came up. I think he had a really good game, and I just found him pretty interesting. Um, from there on, and then he was ended up being a part of the, I think it was Austin Nola trade um, to Seattle. And then once he's went to Seattle, he, he's been able to get a lot more playing time. Uh, and then it's just been, he doesn't do any one thing great, but he doesn't do, he's not terrible either. He's just a overall real solid player all the way around. Um, doesn't make the flashy plays, but just a, just a consistent guy. And I, I don't know, there's just something about Ty France that, catches my eye when I uh when I'm watching a baseball game he's one of the a player that I like to you know I tune in when he's up to the bat or up to the plate at least so tie France for me so that will wrap up our American League uh favorite players we will have uh, next week we'll do our National League favorite players 
But uh, anything you want to uh, you want to wrap up on to close the episode? Um, I don't think so. Just uh, let's just hope that the you know CBA talks go well this week, and um, you know we get a deal, and you know hopefully if we don't get a deal this week, they they're close enough to where they can get it, you know, sometime next week, and maybe maybe still be able to start on time or, or within a week of on time. So um, you know, let's just hope and pray that they. The, these guys get their heads together and, and figure it out. So, and I, and I think I have, a, I'm a lot more optimistic than I was. Cause part of me was thinking that on Monday when they, when they met the first time this week, that they were going to go in there for 15 minutes and leave and not talk again. I mean, so at least they're, they're, they are serious about really discussing things this week, which is, which is a much, you know, much different thing than what we've seen in the past, you know, several weeks. So, uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that gets done, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll be able to move on to some uh, more entertaining, interesting news and uh, get going with the season. Because you know we're only you know five weeks away. I mean, from from what would be the start of the season, if unless it gets delayed. So uh, very excited for that. Uh, you know, let's, let's I guess it's kind of wait and see mode right now. But uh, but yeah. Um, you know, looking forward to, to seeing what they come up with and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be watching. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just ready for this to all be done and, and get back to watching some baseball. I mean, I, at this point I'd be used to being able to watch, uh, you know, at least spring training games that even though it's players, you probably don't know much of uh, your favorite players are mostly out by the second or third inning anyways. Um, you know, it's still fun just to, to know that these games are happening now. And I mean, I think I sat down last night and I just went through like four, five episodes of just like condensed spring training games, even from old, old years. I don't even think it was just like 2021. And it was like 2017 was in there as well. It's just, so I just miss, you know, being able to watch the spring training games and, and see some of the players you don't really hear about all the time. So hopefully they get this deal done. Uh, hopefully by the time we're talking to you next week, we have a deal in place um, and then, you know, we can, we can move on with everything. Cause I know the CBA talk has become, um, you know, pretty boring now because it's pretty much every week, but it, it's important to talk about. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to really say about it, but uh, hopefully, hopefully next week we don't even have to do the NL favorite players list because we'll be talking about a completed CBA deal and we'll have a, a bunch of free agency and trades done. Right. That's that's the perfect world. Right. Yeah. Let's you know, I believe it when I see it. But let's hope. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Batflip podcast and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.